Well, welcome back to week two of our Bible study on the names of God. And this week we studied the name of Yahweh. And if somebody were to come up to you and ask you, what does the name Yahweh mean? How would you answer that? And to be honest, I don't even have a good answer for that, a really simple answer for that. It is hard to define this name Yahweh. It's not as straightforward as, as other names of God. For instance, we looked at Elohim last week and it's taken from a Hebrew, the Hebrew words that mean strong and mighty one. We know exactly what that name means. Or, you know, El Elyon means God most high, but Yahweh, what does Yahweh mean? Uh, it's one of the most difficult names to define because it has no clear-cut meaning and scholars have studied it for years and years and they still have trouble coming up with a simple definition. But what we do know is that that name Yahweh is translated from the Hebrew verb that means to be. But what does that mean? What is that? How does that help us understand who Yahweh is to be? Uh, some have said that's referring to the fact that he's self-existent, that he always has been and he always will be. He's eternal. He's, there's never been a time that he has not been. But that still doesn't help us really define uh, this name. You will see this name in your English Bibles. Uh, it is written as L-O-R-D, all in capital letters. And so when you are reading in your Bible and you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, you know that is the name of God, Yahweh. And again, uh, the closest it has been translated is I am or I am who I am. But again, what exactly does that mean? How do we wrap our hands around this name of Yahweh? Well, I like to think of the name um, of Yahweh as, as the name that encompasses all who God is. It encompasses all of his attributes. And so that's why it's kind of hard to grasp it because Yahweh, just it's, it's him. It's who he is in his entirety, his, com his completeness. You know, his other names tend to focus on a specific attribute. But this name really embraces them all. And so if I were just to give you a, a takeaway, a, an encouragement, or a challenge from this name this week, it would be cling to Yahweh. Cling to Him and all of His nature, His character. When we first see this name, Yahweh, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, it's in conjunction with the name Elohim. It's right after creation, and it says, This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God, Yahweh, Elohim, made earth and heaven. But there's no explanation given to us in Genesis 2 about, well, what does that name mean? And we see that name throughout the book of Genesis. You will see it uh, where, you know, he'll, it says, and... The Lord said to Abram, I am El Shaddai, but he doesn't, he doesn't reveal himself to anybody in Genesis by that name, but you'll see the name written throughout the book of Genesis. But the first time that God reveals himself to somebody by that name is 
in Exodus 3 when he reveals himself as Yahweh to Moses. <clears throat> so that's where we're going to be spending our time today is in Exodus 3. Most of you know the context of this passage. We have studied it in other studies. Uh, Moses had grown up in Egypt in Pharaoh's household and thought he was going to deliver his brothers out of Egypt and in the process uh, killed an Egyptian taskmaster when he was beating one of his Hebrew brothers. And as a result, he had to flee from Egypt and he ended up in, in the desert in Midian. And he had been in the desert for 40 years. The sons of Israel had been in bondage for 400 years. Life was hard for them. And Moses probably at this point had felt like, you know, this is going to be my life. I'll spend the rest of my life here in the desert. Uh, he had moved on uh, probably from any hopes of ever being used by God uh, back in Egypt. And the sons of Israel were still, you know, waiting for deliverance out of this, this land. And that's the setting that God appears to Moses in the desert of Midian. And he reveals himself by the name, I am, to Moses. Now, before we get into the passage of Exodus 3, I do want to give you a little bit of the background of this name because I think it helps us as we're looking at this name to know kind of all the background behind it. In Hebrew, this name is written as four consonants, although in the Hebrew text, they don't have our English writing. Uh, it's more like Chinese characters, but... It's written as four consonants. It's called the tetragram, or there's a longer name, but I shorten it to tetragram. Four consonants, Y-H-W-H. That's how it's written in Hebrew. And the sad thing is that the original pronunciation for that name has been lost over the years because the Jews would not pronounce that name when they would be reading the Hebrew text. They would not pronounce that name for fear that they were going to violate the commandment that said, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord, Yahweh, your God, in vain. So every time that they would come to that name in the scripture, they would substitute the name Adonai wherever Yahweh occurred. They wouldn't say the name Yahweh. They would say Adonai instead. And Adonai is found in our Bible as Lord, but instead of all capitals, it's written capital L, little o-r-d and we're going to study that name in a few weeks so you will talk more about that when we get there <clears throat> but to remind the reader as he was reading the hebrew text to remind him to say adonai instead of yahweh they would write the vowels of adonai with the consonants of yahweh and the result was something that looked like this, and I put this on the screen underneath uh, this, Y-A-H-O-W-A-H, Yahowah. Although, it's funny, scholars say, we don't even know how to pronounce that. There's so many different pronunciations. It's just, it was lost. The pronunciation was lost. And you probably heard the name Jehovah, um, Yahweh is sometimes translated as Jehovah in some of the old English translations like the King James. Uh, and they, it's translated that way because those, the German uh, translators who were translating the text in, in Germany, they would translate those four letters, Y-H-W-H, as J-V or J-H-V-H. And they 
translated it as Jehovah. But today, most scholars believe that the accurate translation is Yahweh, not Jehovah. And so that's why you hear the name Yahweh Jireh, Yahweh Rofi instead of Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rofi. Yahweh is the um, preferred uh, translation of those letters. I can't give you a simple definition or meaning of the name Yahweh, but I can describe him. And we can learn about him from Moses' encounter with him in Exodus 3. And so I want to point out eight characteristics of Yahweh that we see in Exodus 3. And before you panic and go, eight characteristics, cricket, what, are we going to be here for an hour? No, we're going to fly through this pretty quickly. So uh, hang on, we're going to jump right in. Uh, the first characteristic is that Yahweh is personal. Uh, verses 1 to 4, you know, it gives us the background. Moses is pastor in the flock. He sees this burning bush. He turns aside to go over and see what's going on. Why is this bush not burning up? And God called to him from that bush. And notice in verse 4, he says, Moses, Moses. God called him by name. He didn't go, hey, you, come here. I've got, I got to tell you something. Moses. He was personal. God called him by name. He knew exactly who Moses was, where he was, what he was doing. He never lost sight of Moses in the desert, even though Moses probably felt forgotten at times. But God spoke to Moses. He was personal with him, and he's personal with you and me today. You know, God's probably not going to speak to us out of a burning bush. But he communicates with us through his word. And to be honest, in all my years, I have never heard God speak to me in an audible voice. But he has communicated to me. He has spoken to me through his word as I'm reading and something jumps out and I'll go, Lord, I think I need to do that. Or you're convicting me of that. Or he speaks to me through just the prompting of his spirit in me of, Cricket, I don't think you should have said that. So he communicates with us. He is personal. You know, we looked at Elohim, and you might study Elohim and think he is a far-off God. He is sitting above the, the heavens and looking down on us. But he's personal, and Yahweh shows us that he's personal. He knows us by name. So that's the first thing. And with every one of these characteristics, I'm going to give us a response. How should we respond to this characteristic of Yahweh. And the response to him as our personal God is that we need to draw near to him. So the second characteristic is that Yahweh is holy. In verse 5, God said, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Now, the ground wasn't holy because of the ground itself or the substance of the ground. The ground was holy because of the presence of God there. God has no sin, but we do. And yet, he wants a personal relationship. A holy God wants a personal relationship with, with sinful people like us. It's hard to understand that. And so how do we approach him? Well, he provided the solution through Jesus Christ, his son, who covered 
our sin with his blood so we can enjoy his presence. How do we respond to a holy Yahweh? We revere him. And we confess our sins and we revere and honor him in all of his holiness, recognizing who he is and who we're not and who we are, sinners. Third characteristic, Yahweh is faithful. In verse 6, he told Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Moses knew all about the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He had heard stories about their God and, and how he had made promises. He knew about the covenant that God had made with Abraham. He knew the promises that he had promised Abraham and his descendants, land, blessing, and seed. He knew that their God was a covenant-keeping God, that he is a faithful God and he would do what he said he would do. And he did. He fulfilled his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, his descendants. Today, we're not under the old covenant or the Abrahamic covenant, but we are under a new covenant that was ushered in with the blood of Christ. And just as God, Yahweh, made promises and covenants with the people in the Old Testament and is faithful to his word then, he has made promises to us through the new covenant, our relationship with Jesus Christ. He has promised us eternal life. He has promised us forgiveness. He has promised us all the riches that are ours through Christ. He's promised us the power to live the Christian life through the Holy Spirit. All these things he's promised us through this new covenant, through Jesus Christ. And just as he was a faithful God to the Old Testament saints, he is faithful to you and me today. He is a covenant-keeping, faithful God. Our response to him, our faithful God, our response should be that we trust him. He's faithful. He's going to do what he says. And so our response should be one of trust. God, I trust that you are going to be faithful to what you said you would do. No matter how we're feeling, we trust his word and his faithfulness. A fourth characteristic, Yahweh is aware. He knows what is going on. He is aware of everything going on. Verse 7 says, The Lord said, Yahweh said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. And then he jumps down to verse 9, Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Yahweh hadn't forgotten his people in Egypt. He was aware of what they were going through. He saw their affliction. He gave heed to what they were crying out to him. He saw. He cared. He was very much aware, and it moved him to act on their behalf. 
you know, we have a lot going on in our lives today. Um, we are in the middle of transition as we are transitioning from uh, one administration uh, president to another and all the changes that are going to come with that. And uh, I know there are people who are anxious about what is going to come. And God, do you know what's happening down here? Do you know what all is going on? And the good news is, yes, he is aware. God knows exactly what is going on right here in Memphis, Tennessee, right here in the United States of America. He knows. He is aware. He hasn't forgotten. He's not busy somewhere else. He is aware. And he cares. What should our response be? We need to cry out to him, just like the Israelites did. God, this is how I'm feeling right now. God, do something. But we cry out to him. He's aware. He knows it. We're not telling him something he doesn't know. We're just acknowledging how we feel. Cry out to him. That's what the, the Israelites did. The fifth characteristic, Yahweh is at work. He's active. He's not passive. He's not just sitting by and doing nothing. He is very much at work. Verse 8, he said, So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land. He not only knew what was going on with his people, but he acted. He did something to relieve them of their pain and suffering, or he's getting ready to. He, this is all his plan as he's talking to Moses. He's putting that plan of action into, into work. Now, maybe he didn't deliver them as soon as they thought. I mean, they were in captivity 400 years. But God was at work during that time. He's not just sitting by, bored, twiddling his thumbs. He is at work in ways that we cannot see. I've seen that so many times in my life where there have been times that I felt that God was just, had forgotten me. I've, I've cried out to him, you know, God, where are you in this? Do you know what's going on? Do you know what I'm in the middle of? And it's because I couldn't see God doing anything. And I've even said, God, why don't you do something here? And the answer is that he is. I just can't see what he's doing at the time. I've shared with you all when I was leaving seminary or getting ready to graduate from seminary and I wanted a job and I didn't have a job. And God, what about me? Have you forgotten me? But all that time, he was up here working in, in Memphis at this church, getting you ready for me and getting me ready for you. God is at work. He is orchestrating all the details of our lives, maybe not in our timing, maybe not in our way, but he is at work. So what should our response be to him? Wait on him. He's at work, but we need to wait on his timing and not get ahead. A sixth characteristic is that Yahweh is merciful. Verse 10 says, Therefore come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. 
He is telling Moses, I am going to send you. I am going to use you as my instrument to deliver my people, Moses. And remember the backstory here. Moses thought he was going to deliver the people, tried to, but ended up murdering the, the Egyptian and then had to flee. He blew it. He had to, to run away as a fugitive from Pharaoh, and here he is in this desert. He's tending sheep. Forty years he got married. He had kids. He has moved on. He's, he's probably settled into, this is where I'm going to spend the rest of my life. God is done with me. You know, I, I don't know. We don't know what he was thinking in the desert. But if I were there, I'd probably be thinking, I blew it. You know, God can never use me. I'm done. He's He's put me on the shelf, and I'll live out my life here with my family tending sheep. But God did not put him on the shelf. He did not render him useless. God was merciful. He extended mercy to Moses. He, he, Moses did not deserve this, to be used by God in this way. But God had mercy on him. Just because he had sinned, he didn't hold that sin against him. He worked in Moses during those 40 years to prepare him to be used. He took a sinner and he used him greatly. And you know what? God takes us and he uses us in spite of our sin as long as we're willing and as long as we're willing to deal with that sin. It doesn't mean that just because of something you've done in your past, and we've all done things in our past that we wish we hadn't. But that doesn't mean that God's done with you. He can still work because of his mercy that he extends to you and me. So what should our response be to a merciful Yahweh? Thank him. Thank him for his mercy. Thank him that he doesn't just give up on us. Thank him for his grace, his mercy, to, to use us as he chooses to do so. And then the seventh characteristic, Yahweh is ever-present. He is always with us. And as you look at Exodus 3 and Exodus 4, Moses goes through a number of, of reasons why he doesn't think he's really the right person to do this. He's basically trying to uh, talk God out of saying, okay, I'll, I'll use you. Maybe I should use somebody else. He's, he's trying to convince God that he's not the right guy. And he was feeling inadequate. But in verse 11, he said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And God responds to him in verse 12 and says, Certainly I will be with you. Yahweh is always with us. Now, it was a little different in the Old Testament. They didn't have the Holy Spirit living in them. But God was promising, I will go with you, Moses. Today, we have him with us all the time as the Holy Spirit lives in us. And so if he calls us to a task, he is going to equip us. He is going to be with us every step of the way. So we, when we say, God, who am I that I should be discipling this girl? I can't disciple this girl. I can't lead this small group. I can't share Christ with my neighbor. I can't do this. 
And God is saying, I am with you every step of the way. I am ever present with you. I will strengthen you to do what I call you to do. You know, I felt that way when I came here to Memphis. God, I feel inadequate. And he kept reminding me that I'm with you. I will walk you through this. And he did. He has. He is. So how should we respond to an ever-present Yahweh? Embrace him. Oh, enjoy him. Embrace that truth that he is always there, never leaves you. And then that eighth characteristic and the last one, Yahweh is sufficient. He is sufficient for everything we face. Verse 13, again, you know, Moses had some concerns. He had said, who am I that I should do this? And in verse 13, he gives another concern. And he says, behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? You know, well, Moses knew his name, but, but why is he even asking God this question? You know, and, and I do think there, it was a good question at that time because he had been gone for 40 years. Uh, he lived in Pharaoh's palace when he was there with them. How well did they know him? And after he murdered the uh, Egyptian and had to flee, you know, were there people who didn't really think highly of I mean, but he had a lot of fears and with, with good reason. And so he's thinking, God, when I go and tell them that you sent me to deliver them, they're going to look at me and go, by whose authority? Who sent you? Who is your God? What's his name? God, what do I tell them under whose authority? And that's where God gives us this name of Yahweh. In verse 14, he says, I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am Yahweh has sent me to you. That's all he says. I am. That's my name. <laughs> and as I said at the beginning, I like to think of that name I am just as the beginning of all that God is, that this name encompasses all of his character. You know, when I'm saying, God, I am weak, and he says, but I am strong, Cricket. I will be your strength. I am strength. When you're feeling like you're lost and wandering, he says, I am your shepherd, Yahweh Suri. Or when we're just needing healing of some kind, whether physical or emotional, and we say, oh, I'm so sick, I'm so weak, and just not doing well, and he says, but I am Jehovah. I am Yahweh Rofi. I will heal you. And so that name just gives us the promises of who he is. Yahweh is everything we need. He is sufficient for everything that we face. He is God in all of his fullness. You know, centuries later, Jesus would complete that name. We studied that last year as we did the I Am study, but he would complete that name, I Am, seven times. You know, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the true vine, and, and on and on. Jesus 
is Yahweh. Jesus is the great I am. Jesus is sufficient for whatever we are in the middle of. So what should our response be to Yahweh, who is our sufficient God? Rest in him. Don't worry. Don't fret. Don't panic. Rest in him and who he is. Yahweh is hard to define. I haven't given you a clear-cut definition because really scholars don't really give clear-cut definitions. But we can describe him and we can cling to Yahweh. He is personal. Draw near to him. He is holy. Revere him. He is faithful, so trust him. He is aware of everything going on. Cry out to him. He is at work. Wait on him. He is merciful. Thank him. He is ever-present. Embrace him. He is sufficient. Rest in him. My pastor uh, at my church in Dallas, Neil Tomba, spoke on the name of Yahweh one Sunday. And one of the things I, I've, I've never forgotten what he said about that name is he defined the name Yahweh. He said, Yahweh is all that I am is God, I am to you. I will be enough for you as God. He's everything we need. So as we are moving into strange days and new things going on, let us cling to Yahweh. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we can come to you, Yahweh, the great I am. And Lord, as inadequate as we feel and as scared as we feel or fearful about things, or you are everything we need. You will meet every need we have. You will be to us everything we need you to be. And so, Father, I pray that we would cling to you every day and not cling to things of the world, but to you. Yahweh, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I look forward to next week um, as we look at the name El Shaddai and see you then.